It might be a crazy life, but it's our life. This is a special day. You weren't there for our first wedding. We're getting married again to show you that we're going to be together forever and ever. What's the status of where you guys are right now? I wish I knew. I don't know. I really don't know. What are you guys doing? See, y'all thought, we done sang too long, he ain't going to preach. And if that's what you thought, you had another thing coming. Because I hadn't preached in a couple of months. I want to say a special thank you to our teaching pastors, Danny Poirier and Mike Nelson and Ryan. They've done a great job the past couple of months. If, uh, if you've just started coming the past couple of months, you probably don't know who I am. Um, but uh, my name's Chris, and I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, I've, uh, it was really cool. I was able to kind of take the summer off from teaching and just pray and work on other things. And it's just been a wonderful time. But, but I'm back. I'm like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So um, there you go. We're going to start a new series today entitled John Minus Kate Leaves Eight. And I, I don't know about you. I don't know if y'all been watching this series. Uh, my wife and I, um, we get into bed at night and we... See, what are y'all thinking? Uh, we watch TLC. I don't know what y'all do, but um, we watch TLC and we flip it on. And we've been watching this show for, it's going on for about five seasons now. And it's about uh, this couple, John and Kate, who say they're Christians. And um, they, uh, they have a, a, a twins. They have one set of twins. And then they have sextuplets. And by the way, you want to know how you get sextuplets? It's called the first three letters of that. You know what I mean? So um, I think they figured that out. And uh, the, it's just, it's been a good show. We've watched it. But I'll be honest with you, a couple of months ago, they announced in front of everyone that they're getting divorced. And I just, I started crying. Now, some of y'all guys, you're thinking, oh, you're a girly man. I, I'm not. I am full of testosterone, all right? But I will tell you one thing that breaks my heart is when I see marriages fail and crumble. And uh, i got to be honest with you, I struggled uh, for a long time whether or not to do this series. And here's the reason why I struggled. I, I never, ever want to feel like we're kicking somebody when they're down. You know, the church has a really good job of doing that to people. When they're hurting, oh, let's kick you in the teeth. And I don't want to do that with the Goslins. Um, uh, at the end of, of these services, we're going to be praying for them, and we're going to be praying for their marriage. But one of the things I have I thought about is I have to talk about this. Because we have marriages all over failing. And the Bible talks about this. So I felt like, you know what? Uh, we're just going to talk about it. And I'm going to say up front that I'm not here to, to make a spectacle of them. And I'm not going to make fun of them. And we're going to pray for them. But we need to all talk about this. Because marriages all around us are failing. One church has been around for almost two years now. And I've seen marriages that I've performed in a divorce. I've seen marriages that I've not done in a divorce. I've seen couples that I've counseled split. And I've seen couples that refuse counseling get a divorce. I've seen couples who've been in marriage over 30 plus years and have poured into my life and Kim's life, call it quits and walk out the door. And, and it breaks my heart. And every time my wife and I, we hear one of these stories, we hold each other tight. And through tears, we say, we got to keep our guard up. Because it can happen to anyone. Let me tell you something about John and Kate. 
eight, nine years ago, John and Kate's, their intentions were never, ever to end up in divorce court. And let me say this very clearly. When you got married, your intentions wasn't to end up in divorce court. But many times, for 50% of all couples, that's exactly what happens. It's exactly what happens. Because no one plans for it. But there's a natural drift. So we're going to talk about how to stay in love during this series. Because it's easy to fall in love, right? All you need to fall in love is a pulse, right? Seriously. Everybody go like, put your fingers up. Uh, check yourself. Y'all alive? Some of y'all are, all right? That's all it takes for you to fall in love is a pulse. But let me tell you, staying in love takes a plan. It takes a lot of work. You see, it's easy to get married. It's easy to get a marriage license. It's harder to get a driver's license than to get a marriage license. But it's hard. It's hard to stay married. And every time I hear this, every time I hear of another couple, whether it's this church or another church or even with this family with eight children, my heart absolutely breaks. So we're going to look at the key of staying in love today. The key is found in two passages of the Bible we're going to look at, one in the beginning and one close to the end. And the key is to make marriage a priority. The first book of your Bible is called Genesis. Maybe you haven't been out of, you've been out of church for a while. Maybe you've been bumped out of church. I want you to turn with me to your Bibles to Genesis. If you don't have a Bible, we provide Bibles free here at One Church. It's the very first book of the Bible. In Genesis, the word for Genesis, it literally means beginning. And in Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, God is creating a lot of different things. He creates the stars, and He said, it is good. He creates the earth. He says, it is good. He creates animals, and He says, it is good. He creates people. He creates man. He says, it is good. He creates all of these things, clouds and all this. And He says, it is good. It is good. It is good. But I want you to look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, and we're going to see something that God says is not good. Look at this. In Genesis 2, 18, it says this. Then the Lord God said, it is, and let's everybody say those next two words. It is what? It is not good for a man to be alone. And how many ladies would like to say, yes, Lord? I mean, let me tell you the reason why it's not good for a man to be alone. This is what we do. All right, we pick up underwear that have already been worn off the floor, and we go. I don't need to do laundry yet. You know what I mean? Come on now. The reason why it's not good for a man to be alone is we open up the refrigerator door, we take the gallon of milk, and we pop a top again, and we chug it. Right? It is not good for a man to be alone. All right, it's not good at all. God says it's not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Guys, if your wives are here, I want you to turn and say there, you are just right for me. Come on, I'm watching. All right. That's what God said. I'm going to make a helper who's just right for him. And up to this point, God's saying it's good. It's all good. It's good. He says, you know what? I made plants. They're good. I made birds. They're good. I made dogs. They're good. I made cats. Wait a minute. I didn't make cats. Who made those things? Everything up to this point, hey, y'all need to get a grip. Cats are from the devil. 
I can prove that in first opinions, all right? Anyway, let's move on. So he's saying it's good, it's good, it's good. And then all of a sudden he says, it is not good for a man to be alone. And you may be single in here today and you may think, man, I understand that. Because nobody wants to be alone. So God does something about it. Verse 21. So the Lord God, I want you to look at the verse, the, the verbs in this verse. This is very important. The Lord God, and let's all say that next word caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and He brought her to the man. Now let me ask you, just from this verse right here, who do you think is marriages? Who do you think created marriage? Like whose idea was it? It wasn't the guy on the street going, mm, she looks good. It wasn't, it wasn't God's. It was God's. It was God's idea. God caused. God took. God, God brought. God gave. It is God doing the matchmaking. It is all God. It's God's idea. He invented it. He caused it. And He loves it. And he, he, he culminates, he crescendos into all of his creative forte statement into verse 24, which says this. This is why. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. God says this about marriage. When a person gets married, he leaves all the other important relationships and reprioritizes every relationship around the spouse. That's the way God created marriage. God is saying that the marriage relationship takes precedence over every other human relationship. You think about it. Before a person gets married, the closest relationship they probably have is with their mom and their dad, right? I mean, your mom gave birth to you. That's a big deal. Ask the ladies. Your mom fed you. When you cried in the middle of the night, it probably wasn't your daddy coming to give you a bottle. It was probably your mother. All right? Uh, guys are going, it's hard to sleep through all the screaming. Man, she needs to get some help. All right? I mean, it's probably not the guys. But it is the guys. Once they get older, they teach them how to, how to do catch, you know, how to, how to throw a ball, how to hit a ball. They teach you. I mean, you're close to your mother. You're close to your father. And then you get married and everything changes. Everything, everything changes. All right? Around, and it's centered around that marriage relationship. This is why a man leaves his father and mother. You know, I've seen so many couples who've never really left their mom and dad. You know what I'm talking about? Couples who never really left emotionally because the mom, the mom is closer to her son than the son's closer to his wife. And it's just kind of weird. I've seen people who've never left emotionally. I've seen people who've never left financially. Now, they've been married for 10 years and mom, their, their mom and dad still paying the bills, still paying the insurance, still buying them major purchases. All right? They've just never left. They've never made it out on their own. I've seen couples never leave spiritually. I've even seen couples never left physically, right? Some of you are going, I'm still living with my mom and dad, all right? All right? And you know what? For a season, that's how we were. 
We were. We live with mom and dad in their basement. Praise Jesus. But you know, you're supposed to raise kids to get them out of the house. And then you change the locks. Right? Get them on out. Alright? So, you're supposed to leave and then join. In fact, that's what it says verse, in verse 24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. That word for join is literally the word for glue. It's glue. A man leaves every other relationship and sticks like glue to his wife. When you take two and stick them like glue. That's what marriage is all about. It's taking two and sticking like glue. When that happens, they're no longer two, but one, right? So, you take you take one, the guy, you take the lady. This cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And when that happens, and I'm not talking about just with Elmer's, all right, even though that's what I got today. God says, no, the glue I'm talking about is Gorilla Glue. It's liquid nails. It's super glue, all right? When you do that, marriage is when you take two and you stick like glue, and now they're just one. That's what he says. The most important relationship in a person's life outside of God should be their spouse. Should be. Now, that's usually not how it works, though, if you think about it. I mean, because I've seen single guys who live the single guy lifestyle and then get married and continue to want to live the single guy lifestyle. You know what I'm talking about? You know, they were hanging out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with the single guys and they're bowling. Number one, get a job. Bowling? Anyway. Uh, some of y'all, I'm a professional bowler. I'm sorry. All right, anyway, get a job. Anyway, moving on. Um, you know, and then they get married. And they all, they're still always out with their friends. No, something has to change. Because the most important relationship, the most hum, important human relationship out there is with your spouse, with your husband or your wife. Parents should take a distant second to your mom, to your parent, your, your relationship with your, your with your mom, with the relationship with your husband or with your wife. All right, your friend should be a distant second compared to the relationship between your husband and your wife. The, your children should be a distant second compared to the relationship with your spouse. I want to show you a clip from John and Kate Plus 8 again, and I want you to hear what they have to say. And I'm going to ask you, what did you just keep on hearing repeated, repeated, repeated? Let's take a look. What's the status of where you guys are right now? I wish I knew. I don't know. I really don't know. I can absolutely say that I am wholeheartedly in everything that I'm doing for the kids. I wake up because of the kids. I breathe because of my kids. I work because of my kids. I work harder because of my kids. I'm committed to not letting any of this harm them. I, I will do my best to be as positive as possible for my kids. 
I'm for my kids too. I mean, I take them to school and take care of them. I'm here every day. Quit my job two years ago so I could stay home with the kids. Um, also, so Kate could go and work and do her speaking engagements and book stuff. So I'm here for my kids too. And what the future holds, we don't know. I can only speak for myself. I'm here. I'm here every minute that working doesn't require me to be away. So I, I can't speak for anyone but myself. And I'm here for my kids. Kate and I obviously have been going through a lot of stuff and discussing what's best for our kids. Even though, you know, it's been tough right now. But, um, I don't know, like we said, we always love our kids and we will come together for our kids, regardless of our relationship. Or, um, uh, we just, uh, I have to make a plan and decide, you know, jointly what we're going to do. And as long as our kids are safe and happy here, they'll be well taken care of and loved. I love it here. This is their house. We bought this house for them, not for us. Uh, the security, the room, the land, all for them. We've always done the show for the kids um, to be able to provide for them. Uh, to collect the memories for ourselves. I think it's just to spend time with your kids and get that little smile, that little, you know, uh, look out of the corner of their eyes. What did you hear consistently over and over and over again? The kids. Now, here's the thing. That sounds good to our culture. To say, you know, and... To say, you know what, I, I am, I'm going to sacrifice my, for my children and I want them to have a better life and it's about them. But let me tell you, that is the kiss of death for a marriage. Because let me tell you, the, the marriage relationship is a covenant, not the, not, not the parent-child relationship. It is about mom and dad. Could it be that the best thing for the kids is mom and dad sticking together? I mean, Seriously. Now, does that mean there's going to be, it's going to be easy? Of course not. In fact, we're going to talk about in two weeks the whole idea. Well, you know what? My kids are going to be better off and we're going to be happier if we just get a divorce. Because we're going to blow that one right out the water. It's going to be a good week. Um, but it sounds, this idea sounds good and helpful. And let me tell you, the thing, I, and as I was praying through doing this series, the, the, the picture in my mind that I feel like this is going to, struggle the most with is probably military spouses. Because, you know, and again, I have never been a military spouse, all right? I don't know how it is for your husband or your wife to leave for 12 to 15 months. But I know during those 12 to 15 months, you're, you're forced to be mom and dad. You're forced to do all of the bills. You're forced to, to go cook and clean and shopping at Walmart, dear Jesus. All right? I mean, I cannot imagine. And, and, you, and ladies, you sacrifice for your children. I know that. And you should. I mean, ladies, y'all are just made up this way. You know, that if, if, if between you eating or your children are eating, you're going to not eat so your children can eat, right? Guys, we're thinking we can make more of those fellas. Alright? We'll just, you know, we're not, we're not wired that way. But ladies, I mean, you are, and God has created that in you. And that's all fine and good, but you know what? When the spouse returns home, there has to be a change in relationship. 
You can't keep on doing business the way you did business when he or she was in Afghanistan or Iraq. You can't do that. Your, your boys or your girls were the, the joy of your life, but now your spouse is home, and that relationship has to change because it is the, it is the husband-wife relationship that is the covenant, not the parent-child. Man, that is so very important. It's our spouse, not our children, that's that lifelong relationship. Look at Genesis 2.24 again. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. You know, think of it this way. If you build your relationship around your kids, what's going to happen when they grow up? What happens when they leave the house? I'll tell you, your spouse leaves the house. Because you're sitting around an empty kitchen table staring into the eyes of a stranger and if your mindset is you know what it's all about the kids right now and it's all about t-ball and it's all about baseball and soccer and basketball and dance and equestrian and we're going to keep them busy and you know what it's about them 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 you better watch out because it's not about them it is about god and your relationship the best gift you can give your children is to have a good marriage. Now, that, and that's our big idea. Look at this big idea. And I want us all to say this out loud. Make marriage a priority over all relationships. That was awful. We need to say that again. Make marriage a priority over all relationships. That's exactly right. It seems a paradox, but when you pitch your kids' needs over your spouse's needs, who gets hurt? It's your children. The, the best thing you can do for your kids is to give them the gift of a great marriage. Man, because marriage is about taking two and sticking like glue. Now, uh, next passage of Scripture, and this is what we're ending on, I'm going to give you a big picture of this because some of you are going, I don't believe it. I believe my kids should be number one. I'm going to show you extremely clearly from the Bible how God created this order of relationships. And if you would, turn to the New Testament to Ephesians chapter 5. It's kind of a hard book to find. You may want to look through your table of contents. Ephesians chapter 5. And it's one of the letters that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Amazing. All right? So, as you're turning there, I'll give you 20 minutes. Um, let me kind of tell you what's happening. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18... God starts talking about a relationship. And look at this. He's, he's talking to you and me. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he, he, he and this is amazing. He says, I want you to put me first. I want you, I want to be so close to you that the word that you would use to describe our relationship is that I fill you. It's almost like you complete me. I want to say you have me at hello, but I'm moving on. All right. Look at verse 20. And give thanks to everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And those three verses, look at what we see. We see God the Father, we see God the Son, and we see God the Holy Spirit. We see the entire trend in. He's saying, hello, you need to put me first. The, the biggest relationship that you need to have is the God relationship. And see, some of you in here, you're, you're here today, and you've not been to church in years. And the thing that you need to work on right now, even before your marriage relationship, is this relationship. So God says, I want you to put me first. Now, if that's the most important relationship, God and us, 
Who do you think the next relationship he's going to talk to? Hmm, I don't know. Let's look. Ephesians 5.21. For wives, this means to submit to your husbands is to the Lord. That's almost like a four-letter word. Submit. What he's saying is this. Ladies, the biggest need for that your husbands have isn't love, but it's respect. Because God created guys with egos. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, guys, are you with me? We have egos, and sometimes they're fragile. And, and we get angry sometimes when we feel like we get disrespected. So we don't even need love so much first as respect. And look what he says in verse 25. For husbands, this means to, that you're to love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. God tells the man that the major need a woman has is to be loved and cherished. Ladies, do you agree? All right. To be loved and cherished. And then he quotes a verse that we've already looked at. Look at this. As the scriptures say. Now, what scriptures is he talking about? Genesis. That's right. A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. The most important relationship requires you to leave and to stick like glue. So, verse 33, he ends it. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as Christ loves him, as he loves himself, excuse me, and the wife must respect her husband. Love, respect. Now, so it's God, and then it's our marriage relationship. Now, what do you think the next relationship he's going to talk about? Ephesians 6 1 says, Children. Huh, amazing. Marriage comes before kids. In fact, it's hard to have children without being married. All right? It's almost like this is amazing. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And he says, you know what? It's God. It's marriage. It's children. God. Marriage. Children. God. Marriage. Children. And what do you think he's going to talk about in verse 5? Well, let's look. Employers, obey those who are over you with deepest respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. God, spouse, children, job. Everybody, let's say that. God, spouse, children, job. Now, guess what the world does with that list? Turns it upside down. So you have ladies and men working 40, 50, 60 hours a week trying to get the raise, trying to get the promotion, trying to please their boss, trying to get in that next better office, trying to get that next best promotion, trying to get the next E-level. All right? I'm an E-4. I'm wanting to be an E-5. You, you, you're, you're doing everything you can for the J-O-B. And after those 50 hours, you come home and you help your kids with, um, with uh, you know, the homework. And you feed them and this and that. And then you put them to bed and then you have maybe 10, 15 minutes with your spouse. And then, oh, if you don't forget, right before your head hits the pillow and before your eyes go down, you go, now I lay me down to sleep. And you give God a couple of seconds. See, what the world has taken that list and it's turned it upside on its head. And, and we wonder why marriages are failing. When we mix up these proprieties, especially, ladies, men, hear me, guys. 
especially when we put our children before our spouse. It is our children who get hurt when the relationship doesn't last. So my encouragement and our homework for you today is this. I want you to do our big idea. I want you to make your spouse a priority over all other relationships. And I'm going to encourage you to do that by doing this. I want you to go out on a date. Now, this week, now hear me, I know some of you, your spouses are overseas and you can't do that. But for those spouses who are here, I want you to do that. I want you to go on a date. Now, this is important. Without children. All right? A date, don't take her to McDonald's. All right? In fact, we're going to make this easier for you. As you leave, every couple is going to get a card. And starting tomorrow and going through the end of Saturday, it says, date your mate. You can take this card to get some coffee. And, it, and if you're with your spouse, now hear me, Joe, you, uh, track with me. If you, if you don't take Allie with you, you can't get any free coffee. Yeah. You have to do this together. And how this works is you're going to take this card. You're going to write you and your spouse's name. You're both going to go to get some coffee. And whatever you get, one church is going to pick up the tab. I, let, let me say it. One church is going to pick up the tab. Because let, we believe in marriages. And what I want to see happen is when you sit down over that cup of coffee or frappuccino or whatever it is, I want you to start talking. And not, hey, can you believe little Allie's going into sixth grade? No. Right? How are we doing? How are we doing? And just listen and try not to be defensive. So I'm going to encourage each and every one of you guys to go and take your girl, take your guy out on a date. And we're going to collect, you're going to give these to Tony at Get Some Coffee. And at the end, I'm going to figure out who did this, who's done this. And, and I'm going to give you an email. I'm going to give you a call. I'm going to say, great job. All right. And if I don't see your name on one of these things, I'm going to call you up from the stage next week. I'm going to say, Clint, Megan, get a grip. Come on. Anyway, listen, this, these next three weeks, we're going to have such a great time talking about love and marriage. And I want to say this. The last week, we're going to talk about divorce. And I just want to say this from the get-go because I know I'm not na naive enough. We have a lot of people in here who have had a divorce. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin. God still loves you. God can still use you. And you all know that, and I'm sure I'm talking that 100% in here, that if you could do it over, you wished it would have worked out. And you may be in a new relationship. So let's start from where you're at with grace and love. And let's say, how can we make this relationship priority over all other relationships outside of your relationship with Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for how you love us. Oh, how you love us. We sang that earlier, God. Lord, I just, I am so thankful that you love us with a love that will never, ever let us go. No matter how bad we mess up. No matter how bad we just tend to pooch it. Your word says that while we were still sinners, you died for us. So Lord, I pray for all marriages in here today, God. I am so tired of seeing marriages go up in flames and smoke. And all of us need to keep our guard up. Because it's hard. And it's difficult. 
having a good marriage. But I tell you, as hard and difficult it is to have a good marriage, it's harder to get a divorce. It's more difficult relationally to call it quits. And we need people here committed to say, I will love you till death do us part. I may kill you, but I'm in it till death do us part. We love you, Jesus Christ. And it's in your great big name that we pray.